Good afternoon. Welcome to this place. It's so good to, um, to see you today. And um, I love our Holy Week services. And I, I love um, gathering together and worshiping and, and just marking each day and each special uh, time with you. We're gonna, um, we're gonna have a, an opening prayer. And then we're gonna sing uh, a hymn together. And then we're gonna have a, a very special guest star as our um, as our special music today. Uh, yeah, uh, Ken and I are fighting over who's gonna do that. And then, uh, and then we're gonna hear from our, our, uh, our friend Ken Casey and I'm looking forward to that. So, and don't forget, we have lunch afterwards. I just, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just really an exciting time when we've got food around every, every single day of the week, I don't know. and. Uh, and so I'm glad that you're here. Glad you're joining us. If you're worshiping with us on Facebook Live, say hello to us and let us know where you're worshiping from. Let's pray. Thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for this time that we pause in the middle of our day to focus our attention on you and to hear with our hearts and our minds and our spirits what your spirit says to us through uh, the hymns, through the message, to enjoy one another's fellowship, but most of all, to remember, Lord, this holiest of weeks as you have set your face toward Calvary. Hear our prayers, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Number 297 will be our hymn. I invite you to stand as you're able and join us beneath the cross of Jesus. I'm a special guest star, in case you haven't figured it out. This is what happens when um, college students are asked to come and, and sing and oversleep. So, you get me. God sent his son, they called him he came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear. 
I'll cross that river, I'll fight life's final war with pain, and then as death gives way to of glory and I'll know he reigns we sing with me because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know Just because he lives. Thank you, Sam and Rhonda, for our special music uh, this morning. Uh, you may have noticed I was just a moment uh, late getting into the pulpit area before the service started. Uh, I went back to the parlor to say hello to the overflow crowd. <laughs> the text this morning is taken from the 12th chapter of John, beginning with the 20th verse. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was with, uh, from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth, and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. The word of God for the people of God. Well, it's the Passover, and people from all over the world have come to Jerusalem to celebrate. Tens of thousands, maybe millions, maybe a couple of millions, as Sam reminded us Sunday of that possibility, have come to flock to the temple to make their sacrifices and to pay the temple tax. 
They've come as far away as Persia, Syria, Egypt, Greece, and Rome. And John says, now among all of these folks who have come from all over the world, there went up to worship at the festival some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Well, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all like to see Jesus? I remember several years ago, uh, someone came up with the idea of having a uh, computer-generated figure of what Jesus may have looked like. And he was dark-complected, had brown eyes, and black hair. But, but when I saw it, I said, no, that's not what he looked like. You know, I have, I've seen pictures of Jesus. Now, now, I know they're not Polaroids or anything like that or selfies, but I've seen pictures of Jesus. And my image of Jesus is more like some of the pictures I've seen than that computer-generated image. But I would like to see Jesus. I would like to uh, have a first-hand glimpse of him, see him up close and personal. Uh, to see what kind of man he was, to hear his voice, to observe his mannerisms, to follow his train of thought. Wouldn't we all like to see Jesus? The question is, why? Are we simply curious? John says that among the crowd who had come to the holy city to celebrate Passover was a small group of Jews from Greece. They zeroed in on Philip, who most likely uh, knew some Greek descendants from, uh, because he was Bethsaida, and Bethsaida had uh, that, uh, those kind of people living there. Although we're not told why the Greeks wanted to see Jesus, Jesus obviously they had heard about him and wanted to meet him. Perhaps they'd gotten wind of his teachings or heard about some of the miracles he had performed. You know, there's actually no indication that they came to be his disciples or followers, but maybe out of curiosity, they sought him out. They had heard that he had walked on water, that he had fed the multitudes, that he had raised the dead and cleansed lepers. You know, curiosity killed the cat, as they say. But for the most part, it also feeds our innate longing to solve mysteries, to unlock secrets, and broaden our horizons. But maybe there's another reason they wish to see Jesus. And that is like so many of our heroes, he's bigger than life. He was unlike the rabbis of his time. He taught with authority. He broke the rules of social convention and ate with tax collectors and sinners. He deferred to no one, not even to Herod. He dared to touch lepers and walk among Gentiles. He had compassion for the poor, yet showed no contempt for the wealthy. He put down the religious leaders for their false piety. But yet, by contrast, he held a child in his arms and said, whoever becomes humble like this child will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Yes, we all need role models. And when you think about it, we couldn't find a better role model than Jesus. 
I mean, he always seemed to know the right thing to say. Can you say that? I can't say that. I mean, when the Pharisees tried to trip him up and they held up a coin and they said, uh, should we pay Caesar his taxes? It was a trap. And he knew that. And he said, well, whose figure, whose image is on the coin? Knowing that if he had said, no, don't pay taxes, the Romans would have been greatly upset. And if he said, yes, pay taxes, then his own people would have been upset. But what did he say? Give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give to God what's God. He always knew what to say. You know, if I'd been in his situation, I'd still be standing there today, scratching my head, wondering what to say. One time the religious leaders brought a woman caught in adultery before him and, and said that what she had done was punishable by death. What should they do? And Jesus bent down and doodled in the dirt. Maybe he drew, like me, would have drawn a stick figure or something. But he doodled in the dirt. He knew that he said, don't stone her, let her go. That they would have jumped all over him for not upholding the law. But he knew if he said, yes, take her out of the city and stone her, he knew that he was no better than the religious leaders whom he had accused of false piety all along. And so he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And we're told that one by one they all slipped away because there wasn't a soul among them that wasn't guilty of sin. I sometimes wonder though, Sam, there might have been somebody just a little bit self-righteous that was stayed and thrown a stone thinking that they had not sinned. But we've all sinned, we are told. Yes, Jesus is that person that we all would like to be more like. Think about it. You never hear Jesus going back to apologize for something stupid he may have said or done. Can any of us say that? Oh, I can remember those embarrassing moments when I had to go to someone and apologize for something very stupid I said or did. You know, he, he, you never hear Jesus wishing that he had a better job or a bigger house or a nicer robe or even a new pair of sandals. Unlike us, he lived as one would live in relationship with God continually. He had his priorities straight. His approval and his riches were not of this world. And so like the Greeks, so long ago, we wish to see Jesus. If only for the momentary inspiration of seeing the embodiment of this person. But John tells us that these Greeks never got their audience. We know how it is. You go in to work one day and you find something to, that's really important and you complain to your supervisor and the supervisor says, well, I'll take it to the, uh, to the manager of this division and you 
And, and then the manager would say, well, you know, I've got to go to the division uh, president. And the division president would say, well, I've got to take it all the way to the top, and it never gets anywhere. So Philip took his request to Andrew, kicked it upstairs, and Andrew and Philip go to Jesus, but Jesus didn't say yes or no. The Greeks didn't get their audience. They didn't get to see Jesus in, the, in a one-on-one uh, type situation. But in this odd and cryptic sort of way, Jesus takes our curiosity and our admiration and elevates them to something more significant and transforming. And this is the good news of the gospel. This little band of Greeks will get to see Jesus, all right, as we will. Not as an object of curiosity and not as a hero, but as the Savior of the world, high and lifted up on a cross for all to see. So we have come this day not simply to look at a historical figure as impressive as Jesus may be, but to behold the Christ as one who has died for the sins of the world, which didn't we say just a little while ago that no one is without sin? So I guess that means that Jesus died for us. That means that for us, Jesus went to the cross. He is our promise of deliverance from sin and death. He is the herald of the new creation, calling us to a life of faithfulness and obedience to God. This day and tomorrow and the day after and forever, we will need a savior. A savior who was willing to go to the cross. A savior who said upon the cross, Father, forgive them. He wasn't just praying for those who, who were uh, in the process of crucifying him. He prayed for all humanity once and forever. Father, forgive them so that we and every human being would have the possibility of being reconciled to God, of being brought into a relationship with God, and knowing God not only as our creator, but the one who sustains us, the one who forgives us, the one who reconciles us, the one who loves us, the one who has hope in us as we have hope in him. To see Jesus then or now, it's to see him crucified for the sins of the world, but more personally, to see him crucified for us. To see him as the one who is reconciling God and humanity together. In that moment, Father, forgive them. Humanity on this hand and 
God on this were brought together to live in the harmony that was intended from the very beginning of time. So we have come to Holy Week, Tuesday of Holy Week, seeking Jesus in our lives, knowing what He has for us, knowing that He loves us and cares for us and died for us and reconciles us with God, forgives us and gives us new life. That's why we're here this afternoon to come and to bow our heads in thanksgiving for what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let us pray. We thank you, O holy God, that in your Son, you forgive us. We thank you, O holy God, that in your Son, we have new life. We thank you, O holy God, that in your Son, we can live a life of love and service, compassion. Thank you, O holy God, that in your Son, we are reconciled to you. And now as we go our way this day, we pray that your presence would be our blessing, our strength, our hope, our peace. And as we gather around the meal table here or elsewhere, that we would remember that you are with us and that you love us. In the name of Christ, amen. Thank you so much, Ken. I always enjoy hearing you preach. Um, I want to just remind you one more time about our meal today. Um, if you're here for the first time, just you can go out this door after we, I'm going to have the blessing here before we leave. Scott, this door, the elevator and stairwell up there, go up to the second floor in the gathering room. You'll find the, the meal there. Tomorrow's speaker will be Laura Satterfield. Laura, is, she, she spoke last year uh, at our Holy Week services. She is the district secretary, but she's also a licensed local pastor. I don't know if you knew that. And uh, she, she did a fantastic job last year and we invited her to come back. And so we look forward to hearing Laura tomorrow. And that rhymed, Laura tomorrow. So um, let's, let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the message that we've received uh, we, we do want to see you, and the world wants to see you through us. So, Lord, help us to ponder these words as we go into the rest of our day, into the rest of this week. Bless our fellowship together as we sit around the table. Bless the food that has been prepared for us and the hands that prepared it. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Pop Pop got a letter.